You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Good Monday morning. Welcome in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey right here with you on the exclusive Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully everyone had a great, great weekend. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous weather, thankfully, yet again. And hopefully you enjoyed it. You know, here on Long Island, Phase 2 is uh, alive and well. Restaurants are open. You can go to the beach. So slowly, at least, life is coming um, close and kind of getting back to some sort of normalcy. So wherever you are. East Coast, West Coast, in the great Midwest, North, South, coasts. We hope uh, you're staying safe. Obviously, first of all, you're staying sane, just as important. And hopefully, again, you are starting to uh, to enjoy the summertime for what it's meant to be. So we appreciate you starting your week with us. Hopefully, we, you know, we love to, and that's always the goal, is to try to get your week off uh, on the right foot, on the right note, give you some entertainment, give you some... Uh, some distractions from basically the monotony that is everyday life with most of us still working from home. So we appreciate you joining us here on the World Art Sports Network. And as always, we always try to give you the best show we possibly can. I think we do at least try to deliver that. In my opinion, you may think differently, but at least in my opinion here, we do have a great show for you planned. Um, we have a lot of baseball to get to because if you pay attention to anything over the weekend, timing is everything. And I want to at least discuss and open up with, are you finally on the player side? There's one thing that just happened over the weekend that I think really puts the nail in the coffin if you are on the fence, on the border of whether you're supporting the players for Major League Baseball during this feud or whether you're on the owner's side. I'll discuss what that is uh, in case you missed it here in a little bit. And now I'm also curious because last night was Long Gone um, Summer, which is a documentary about the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run race of 1998 that a lot of people credit to bringing baseball fans back, right? The 1994 strike happened. The World Series has played for the first time in 90 years. A lot of fans are upset. A lot of fans are jettisoned. They don't come back to baseball when they uh, resume in 1995 because they're so upset that the players and owners could not figure out salary, could not, get, uh, could not figure out dollars and cents. And because the baseball season was stopped literally dead, dead during the season, August, boom, no, no more baseball is played. It doesn't resume the rest of the year. A lot of people were turned off by baseball back in 1994. And the home run race in 1998 with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa is credited with bringing a lot of those baseball fans back. For the most part, that's what got the national interest of baseball back. That's what got a lot of fans back. So I'm curious because the path we're going down with baseball, there will be baseball in 2020. It's not the baseball, you know, and maybe the amount of games that we like to see or the legitimacy that goes along with it, but there will be baseball in 2020. So I'm curious, if you're upset as a baseball fan, like I am, if you are almost maybe turned off by the sport because you see they're fighting over money in a time when there's, you know, obviously a pandemic going on in a time where unemployment is skyrocketing a time when there's social unrest and a lot of anger and frustration from a lot of people, not just in the country, but in the world. I'm curious if you're turned off by baseball, if you are not going to be into this season uh, because it's short, because of the, uh, the publicity of how the negotiations went, what can baseball do to get you back as a fan? I'm curious. I have a few suggestions. I'd love to hear yours as well. Um, we have Sean Deveni, um, NBA reporter for Heavy.com, and also Forbes at 940, so just about a half hour from now. Because also over the weekend, you had rumblings from players led and spearheaded by Kyrie Irving basically urging players not to play. Boycott the Orlando res uh, season resumption, and he said use your platform to help promote social injustice. Uh, maybe if you feel worried that you're going to get sick with the coronavirus, don't play. 
And Kyrie Irving, of all people, is the one spearheading this movement of trying to get players, trying to galvanize players to push back and boycott um, the Orlando plan. So we'll get Sean on here in just about a half hour or so to discuss, is the season truly in jeopardy? Because if you think about it, if enough players, if enough rank-and-file players, which make up the majority of the league, if they say we're not playing, you're not going to play three-and-three three basketball, doesn't matter if LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo want to play. Their teammates don't want to play. You're, we're not having a basketball season. So we'll get Sean on here to discuss, is the NBA season truly, truly in jeopardy? Um, and, and off that, what is the best way for NBA players to use their platform to raise social uh to raise awareness for social injustice. We'll get to that at 10 o'clock because um, Kyrie Irving thinks the best way to do so is by not playing and um, instead go continue what players have been doing, going on marches, um, organizing protests, trying to get change in the streets where they are. We'll discuss what's the best way to use the platform. Of course, we have 2020 or Apocalypse at 1020, as you know. A new contestant hoping to go five for five. We'll let you know who it is, and we'll obviously we'll see how he does at 1020. And finally, I wanted to get to this on Thursday. I didn't have enough time. Dalvin Cook, the running back for the Vikings, is holding out and wants a new deal. As you know, the running back position has never been um, any less valued than it is right now. Should he get a contract extension? Should the Vikings give him the money? We'll discuss um, to finish off the show. Like I said, first of all, we appreciate you tuning in wherever you're listening, whether it's on Facebook, uh, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If you're listening on Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. It's a great time to be a listener and a fan of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We continue to... Uh, expand, continue to get some great shows, and that's only going to improve here over the next few weeks. Um, our great fearless leader, Errol Marks, if you listen to the show, has called in a bunch. He is doing a great job of building this network. We have a bunch of new shows coming, so it's always important, now more than ever. First of all, we appreciate you tuning in, but now more than ever, it's important that you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, which is WWSRN on iOS or Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android, now is the time to do so because the content is only increasing. The shows are only continuing to improve and, and get more shows. Um, so the Worldwide, Worldwide Sports Radio Network expanding. And now's the time to get on board, jump on the train, and always stay up to date so you don't miss any of the great shows that we have coming to our network, which we will keep you updated with the names, the times. But great stuff's happening here, and we hope you're along with the ride uh, with us as well. But like I said, so I do want to start with baseball because it's funny. And the question I want to pose here is whether you're finally on the side of the players. If you listen to this show, at any, any point, really, the last few months, you've heard me time and time again defend the players, starting with Blake Snell when he went on his Twitch rant talking about how he's not going to play unless he gets his money. He wants his, and he's not going to risk his life, risk his health for basically you know a quarter of the pay that he's supposed to get. You know, it's usually you get hazard pay. Usually you get paid more to take a risk. Well, Major League Baseball is not only wanting their players to take a risk, they're going to pay them less to do so. And over the weekend, a deal happened News happened on Saturday that really, I think, hammers home the point. If you are on the fence, right? if you listen to what I say where I'm really backing the players and I'm taking the owners to task here, saying that they should be the ones absorbing the loss either for you know even for one short season because in the end, their valuation of the franchise is only going up and they're still making money hand over fist despite you know having high payroll and everything else going on. We've had owners come out and speak publicly about how they don't make any money. And really, when it comes down to this over the weekend, timing is everything, right? That's the old saying, as we know, timing is everything. And the last few weeks, we had Tom Ricketts, the owner of the Cubs, first talk to ESPN, basically saying how the teams don't make a profit. All of the money after the expenses are taken out, you know, all the revenue that comes in after the expenses are taken out, all that money goes back into the team. Mr. Ricketts says, as an owner, we give that money to the general manager, say, how can you make our team better? Then Bill DeWitt last week fouled that one up 
the owner of the Cardinals, by going on local radio 590 The Fan in St. Louis and basically saying baseball is not that profitable. Owning a team is not that profitable. So lately, it started with the players speaking out, right, speaking, speaking of their frustrations, and a lot of people turn on the players. Obviously, again, starting with Blake Snell, a lot of people were turned off by Blake Snell, a millionaire himself, and a lot of millionaire players complaining that they're not going to make a lot of money. When, again, unemployment is high, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and social, rest is occur- uh, social unrest excuse me, is occurring. Get on the field and play. Take your $500,000, take your million dollars that you're going to make this year, go out, on the, go out on the field and stop complaining. But now, I think the tide has slowly been turning, in part because you see the owners now speaking and basically trying to cry poor. And I've hammered that home again week after week after week. But like I said, timing is everything. Because Saturday afternoon, in case you missed it, this is what happened. The rich got richer. MLB, and obviously their owners, signed an extension with Turner Sports. And that extension will start in 2022. They will get paid $3.29 billion, with a B, $3.29 billion dollars to continue their rights to broadcast games uh, on Sundays and also to have basically half the playoffs. They've been broadcasting the NL, um, NL playoff series um, on their network, on TBS. Turner is now signed an extension for $3.29 billion for seven years starting in 2022. Averages out to about $470 million a season. So timing's everything. Two weeks ago, you have Tom Ricketts saying that, you know, all the profits, all the money they generate, which isn't a lot to begin with, he claims, goes back into the team. Then you have the Cardinals owner, Bill DeWitt Jr., comes out and says, baseball is not that profitable. And then what happens after Bill DeWitt says that? Five days later, after he says those words, baseball is not profitable, the industry itself is not that profitable, MLB and the owners, which they're getting the money, signed a $3.29 billion deal with Turner. And it gets better. It gets better because guess what? Turner isn't the exclusive home for nationally televised baseball games, right? You have ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. You have ESPN Wednesday Night Baseball. Fox has the World Series. Three national networks that broadcast games and playoff games throughout the Major League Baseball season. So if you go back, Fox had their extension back in 2018. You know what that extension's worth? Because again, remember, they have the World Series, the exclusive rights to the World Series. They paid $5.1 billion. And it gets better. It gets better. Because ESPN now has their deal with Major League Baseball, and their their um, their rights are up after 2021. So you just got 5.1 billion dollars from Fox two years ago. You literally two days ago, the ink is barely dry on a 3.29 billion dollar deal with Turner Sports, and you're about to make hand over fist and get somewhere in the neighborhood of between three and five billion dollars from ESPN when their deal uh, ends in 2021. So all three of those networks combined. Turner, Fox, ESPN, Major League Baseball brings in about $1.55 billion a year from those three national networks alone. $1.55 billion per season just from the national um, television contracts. Think about that. And think about that the next time you have owners, whether it's Tom Ricketts, whether it's Bill DeWitt Jr., whether there's any other owner that wants to come out and speak and cry poor about how they have no money. Remember, they are bringing in $1.5 billion a season just to have their games nationally broadcast um, on Fox, on ESPN, and Turner Sports throughout the regular season and the postseason. And not to mention, let's keep going with timing because, like I said, timing's everything, right? 
What else happened on Saturday? That was a big one for the owners. What else news-wise came out that put another feather in the owner's cap? Guess what? Saturday night, the Major League Baseball Players Association, the organization themselves that is frustrated, that is fighting to not get a second pay cut, mind you. Remember, they're already taking a first pay cut or they're going to get paid just the amount of games they play. So if you, get, if you play 50 games, you're going to get paid for 50 games. If you play 75 games, you're getting paid for 75 games. So they already, even if they play 82 at the most, which they're not going to, best case scenario, Major League Baseball players would lose half their salary in 2020. But guess what? As we saw, the deals keep getting pushed on the table. MLB uh, Player Association puts out a deal. MLB rejects it. MLB puts out a deal. The Player Association rejects it. Guess what happened on Saturday night? Hours after this Turner deal was announced for $3.29 billion, MLBPA, led by their head man, Tony Clark, threw in the towel on the negotiations. They said, we're done. These offers that keep coming in are nowhere close. And we're not going to we're not going to uh, negotiate anymore. Tell us where we have to play, when we have to report, and how long the season is going to be. Because the latest owner, the last offer that Major League Baseball offered the players, seventy two games, with a thirty percent pay cut. And if the playoffs are finished, and it's contingent on the World Series getting played and finished, players can maybe then you can get a little you can get ten percent more. So if everything goes perfectly, you'll get a twenty percent pay cut. You'll make eighty percent of what you're supposed to make if the postseason is finished. And in Major League Baseball, the players are fed up. They kept saying, we're not playing. We're not taking a second pay cut. And MLB owners kept throwing out pay cut, pay cut, pay cut, pay cut. And the players are frustrated. They threw in the towel. So guess what? Not only did the owners win by getting a massive deal and then going to win again in two years and they get another massive deal from ESPN, not only are they continuing to set the bar for TV contract negotiations, now they got what they ultimately wanted with the season. They wanted a short season. They had no interest in 82 games, in 76 games, in 72 games. They got what they wanted with a short season, whether it's 48, whether it's 50, whether it's 54 games. So they got their cake, and they're eating it too. Because guess what was in the back of the owners' minds this entire time? All these negotiations going on, right? We every, like every show, we're talking about the new proposal from the players, new proposal from the owners that keeps getting rejected. And what the, the owners were leaning back on, what they knew was their trump card in the end, was that no matter what happens, if a deal ultimately does not get done, baseball is guaranteed to get played. Because let's go back to that March 26th agreement, right? This is the agreement that no one can agree upon what, what the parameters are and how they should go about it. So March 26th, let's just take you back really quick, give you a quick refresher. The players and the owners signed an agreement saying that the players will take a prorated salary for basically the amount of games played. So if there's 82 games, the players will get paid 82 games. And they signed away with that. Now, there's a clause in there that says if fans aren't allowed in the stands, which is going to be the case this season, that gives the owners and the players the right to go back to the negotiating table and negotiate a new deal that will financially be okay for the owners and the players. Basically meaning if there's no fans in the stands, the players have to, in the owner's mind, take a second pay cut. But also in that agreement, it came down to if a, if a deal cannot get done, Right? If a, or should say, if a new deal get, can't get done, if a new agreement can't come together where the owners and the players can't settle on a number, um, whether it's a cut, uh, cut percentage or whether it's the number of games played, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, can unilaterally decide how many games there are, assuming and as long as the, player, uh, the owners excuse me, pay out the prorated salaries for the players. So Rob Manfred, if the owners agreed, let's say the season was 60 games, 
If the owners agreed, sure, we'll pay the, the players 60 games, then we'll give them their full prorated salary. Rob Manfred has the power as a commissioner to implement a 60-game season. So the entire time the owners and the players were negotiating, the owners knew in their back pocket, guess what? Rob Manfred's on our side, and whatever season he, he decides to implement is going to be a shorter one than what we're proposing. So they could propose 76 games with massive pay cuts. They could propose 82 games with massive pay cuts, knowing one, the players won't take it because they don't want a second pay cut, and two, they knew that in the end, deals doesn't have to get done because guess what? We're going to get our way in the end. We're going to have a short season. If we can afford to play, pay players excuse me, 50 games, we're going to do it. We're comfortable with that, so we don't need, really shouldn't be incentivized to get a deal done. Think about it. The owners were incentivized not to get a longer season done. Because they knew in the end, Rob Manfred would unilaterally decide, okay, listen, as long as you guys agree to pay the full freight, we'll play a shorter season. So while we don't have the exact number of games yet, the owners, the players, and us fans should prepare for a 48-game season, a 52-game season, a 50-game season, or maybe uh, from the numbers I've seen, the largest or the longest season would be 54 games. So these proposals were dangled in front of us, 72 games, 80 games, all dangled in the front with pay cuts that the owners put in there knowing the players wouldn't accept it. You don't play 82 games. You don't play 82 games. Here's a 30% pay cut. Oh, you don't want it? Okay, we'll try again. Here's a 25% pay cut. All of these deals, if you break it down money-wise, basically equaled playing 50 games. And, you know, that doesn't, maybe it doesn't make sense, right? I'll try to lay it out like this. If you play 82 games, uh, let's say a 30% pay cut, that money you add up, is guaranteed to be the same as 50 games with a full salary. So in the end, all the money that the owners kept, kept trying to give the players, all these deals of longer seasons with, with pay cuts, all equal to be the same amount of money that it would be if you played a shorter season. So why would you, why would you play, if you're a player, 75 games for a salary that you would get playing 50 games? I understand you're a player, you want to play. But think about it, if, you, if your boss offered you a deal where it said you would get the same amount of salary whether you played 50 games or you worked, excuse me, let's say you worked five days a week, right? Okay, you're going to get salary, you work five days a week for this month. Or I could say, you know, here's a, here's a bigger sum, here's, but you're going to have to take a pay cut. You're going to basically, in the end, it averages out to whether you work five days um, or not. I understand that was, now I'm thinking about it, that was a terrible analogy. I apologize. I lost myself there. But essentially, what the owners were doing was offering salaries that equaled 50 games. Would any of you work more for salary that you would get if you just work less? No. So it's on the, the players, for them, it makes sense. And that's why they're so frustrated because every single deal, for the most part, the money would equal out to about the same they would make in a shorter season. So now, whatever season we have, and whatever, you know, the MLBPA put a, um, put a final date on it of today where they want the owners and they want Rob Manfred to basically announce what the season length is going to be today. That's the deadline they put. We'll see if it happens. But now, owners will pay just about 31% of salaries um, that they're supposed to pay in 2020 if the season was obviously normal if we didn't have a pandemic going on. Players are about to get 30% of their 2020 salaries. And you know who loses outside of just the players, obviously, the fans as well. Personally, I'm emotionally drained. I'm exhausted because these are good negotiations. Oh, we could get 80 games. Oh, we could get 75 games. It'll still feel legit. 
in the end, all the all those proposals were shams. Because they knew the players wouldn't take it. And in the end, they knew that no matter what happens, if a deal's not get not gonna get done, we're gonna have a short season for salaries that we can afford. So might as well just try to you know, try to play the game, try to tell everyone, oh yeah, you know, we're trying our best. We want a long season. And they put these deals out there that make no financial sense sense for the players. So that's why the owners got their cake in 82. They got a massive deal from Turner on Saturday. They, you, they saw the MLBPA wave the white flag on Saturday night. So now not only are they uh, padding their pocketbooks, padding their wallets the next 10 years of these massive deals, and we'll do so again when ESPN has to um, renegotiate their deal in two years. They're paying the players less salary and basically sev- saving 70% of the payroll that they would have played in uh, would have paid in a normal season. And here's the best news of all. Here is the topper that as fans you should get so excited for being sarcastic here. We get to do this all again. If you have filed these negotiations, if you're a baseball fan and you've just been frustrated, if you've been upset, if you've been angered with the way both sides have gone about this, guess what? I have great news for you. The CBA, the Collective Bargain Agreement, the agreement that basically has, that sets what the parameters are going to be, that sets what the salary is going to be, and basically is a work contract saying we'll, play, we'll pay, oh, I'm sorry, we'll play, and here are the parameters that both the players and the owners agree upon, that expires after the 2021 season. So guess what? We're going to do this all again after next season, and it's going to probably be a lot worse than it was this year because guess what? The, the owners can lock out the players. And who knows if a deal is ever going to get done. If a deal couldn't get done in the direst of consequences and situations here, where there's a pandemic going on, employment is through the roof, and fans are clamoring for, without a distraction, fans are clamoring for sports to come back, and the owners and the players could not get a deal done, while the owners time and time again continue to make money, sign massive deals, even during this entire pandemic. It's going to be ugly when real negotiations have to happen after the 2021 season. And who knows how, you know, how long we could be without baseball for. So that's why I want to ask you, or why I start with the question. Do you finally see why the players fought the owners so hard? Are you finally on the player side? Because they fought hand and fist. They didn't want to take a second pay cut. They didn't believe the owners when they said they'd lose money. I still don't believe the owners when they say they lose money. You have owners coming out saying it's not a profitable business, and then they go sign a $3.29 billion deal for seven years with Turner Sports. Well, please, Bill DeWitt Jr., please, Tom Ricketts, and any other owner that wants to speak out, please keep lecturing us. Please keep insulting our intelligence when you say that baseball is not profitable, when you say there's not much of a profit there, when you say that you really don't make that much money. Please, I please, I implore you, keep on telling us that. Keep trying to play a sympathy card because guess what? No one believes you. And your actions and timing speaks louder than words. You get a great, great deal. And again, we the fans lose because now we'll have less and less baseball, which is exactly what the owners wanted. So let's get your thoughts. Do you finally see the player side, right? Again, I've been on their side since day one. Has this deal, has this signing this deal, the owners did with Turner Sports, $3.29 $3.29 billion just days after the Cardinals owner said there's not much money in baseball, it's not that profitable. Do you finally see with the players where they're coming from? Why they're so frustrated with the owners? Why there's so much distrust and why they didn't want to take a second pay cut? And why they didn't believe when owners say we don't turn a profit at all? So let's get your thoughts. And I'm curious because this time has been, again, emotionally draining. It's been exhausting. 
I'm curious. If baseball's turned you off, even though there's going to be a season, it's going to be a very short season, if you're already turned off, if you're already frustrated about baseball, what would it take to bring you back? I'll discuss it, and we'd love to get your thoughts um, when we come back in the morning, boys, right here on the World Art Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Baseball, man. That's all I got to say. I feel like it's the only sport where this always happens. There's always some sort of disagreement. And while the NBA... Although the last few days have been a little interesting. The NBA, at least, is on the right track to resume. The NHL so far has gone off without a hitch. I mean, players are on the ice skating again. The NHL is trying to get back in business. The NFL, so far, is going business as usual. And then there's baseball. The only sport right now that should be going on cannot get into any sort of agreement. And now we'll have Rob Manfred unilaterally basically tell these two sides you can't get along. You're going to play 50 games, and you're going to like it. And I think that's us, the fans, uh, are the biggest losers there. So I'm curious now, if you're on the fence about whether to support the players or the owners, if you're on the fence or maybe you supported the owners. Right? I worked work at CBS Sports Radio as a producer. I was working this weekend, and I was shocked because one of the shows I was working yesterday basically asked the same exact question. Do you see where the players are coming from? Do you finally understand why they're so frustrated with, with ownership as the owners complain about being poor and then sign a massive deal? And there's a lot of people. I could not believe it. And came out and supported the owners. They came out and still defend them, even after all these claims of making no money. So I'm surprised. So I thought, for the most part, a lot of people would understand, or not understand, but a lot of people would see the viewpoint of players and kind of back them. There's a lot more, there's a lot more support for ownership than I thought. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this latest deal at all. Has swung your, your um, support, swung your decision-making back to the players um, when it comes to the players versus the owners, but... We're going to get baseball. It's definitely going to be um, not great. I'm interested to see the, uh, the interest level. Which brings me to my next point that I'd love to ask you about is, are, do you, does baseball need to win you back? And if so, how can they do that? I think last night is very appropriate. And timing it, we talk about timing is everything. Timing is everything. Because last night ESPN ran their documentary um, between, about Mark, Maso- uh, Mark Sosa, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. There we go. About their home run race in 1998. And that home run race that went on is credited with bringing a lot of fans who were turned off by the sport in 1994 after it was a strike of bringing those fans back. National interest was back, right? Baseball was America's pastime for a long time. Like 1994 really burned a lot of people, really got a lot of fans upset and turned them away from the game. In this home run race in 1998, where Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs, Sammy Sosa hit 66 home runs as they pass, um, as they passed the, uh, just blanking, excuse me, as they both set the new home run record for a single season. This was credited with bringing a lot of fans back. So I'm curious because it's not that we're not going to have baseball in 2020. We're going to have baseball. But it's going to be a short season. It's going to be a season, in my view, that's illegitimate. And after these negotiations were so public, after we saw the distrust and really, honestly, the hatred between the players to the owners and the owners to the players, I'm curious, does baseball need to win you back? Are you so, so torn, uh, turned off by their inability to get a deal done despite really dire consequences calling for baseball to be played in a sport that really has struggled to expand and capture the young audience? They have the perfect opportunity to do so in a time when there's no sports currently. We had golf on this weekend, which was great. 
And you saw the interest level in golf for a tournament that I bet you if there was a normal year, if 2020 was anything um, unlike it is so far this year, people wouldn't be caring as much as they did yesterday. But people, including myself, were watching yesterday's golf match like it was the Masters. Baseball would have the perfect platform opportunity to get a lot of fans back and grow the sport by playing and coming to a deal. And instead, by the time they return, it's going to be close to the NBA return. It's going to be close to the NHL playoffs. And honestly, these negotiations uh, have played out so ugly in, in the public that I'm curious if you've been turned off. And if so, what can baseball do? Because right now, in this day and age at least, the home run is too popular. Still back in 1988, the home run was exciting. We didn't see it that often. You had Roger Maris's 61 home run for a single-season record stand for a long time. And that was something people wanted to see broken. And again, having the chase with McGuire and Sosa both you know, at each other's throats, at each other's necks, about trying to be the first one to break the record. People were really into it. But today, I think it's different. It's home run or nothing. So I don't think a home run race to try to pass Barry Bonds' record of 73 home runs in a single season is going to do it. For me personally, I think financial progress, financial transparency, transparency, excuse me, transparency, would go a long way in the end to getting fans back to baseball that have been turned off, getting fans to trust the owners, and maybe even trust the players if you've been upset about the player side more than the owner side in, the, in these uh, disagreements. And I think it would go a long way in trying to bring fans back and getting them back to loving baseball again for the purity of the sport. I think that starts with two things. One, I personally do think it starts with the owners opening up the books. Let us see the financials. Let us see these proposed losses that you talk about year in and year out, how you complain about baseball is not profitable, how you complain that you have no money to spend because you have no money in your own pocket. Put it out there. Put the financials out there. Let us, the public, see what you're truly making. Do your expenses truly outweigh your revenues? Because if so, I think the public, including myself, would have a different view on what is going on if we knew truly the losses that were occurring. But we don't, because we don't believe the owners. There's a massive distrust, not only from the players, but I think also it's starting to form from the fans as well. So one way to fix that is by being honest, being transparent, and being open. These are our books. This is what we make. This is what we lose. As you can see, we don't spend big money for a free agent. It's because we literally don't have it. We could say we don't have it, but not many people believe billionaires when they say they don't have money. I think opening up the books would go a long way to healing the, the player-owner relationship, healing the player-fan relationship, and I think we'll get everyone on the same page to work at a deal not only now, but in 2021 and the next deal that's going to happen after that. And another idea that would personally for me, again, I didn't lose baseball because I'm still a fan. I'm one of those, those fans that would be a fan for life. It's going to be very hard to kind of jettison me and not have me be a baseball fan. But I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm very upset. It's been very frustrating to see this play out and to see what's going to happen with this season be basically a sham, be basically a joke. Another suggestion I, I think that, again, it's going to take a lot, uh, but it will go, for, will go far in trying to repair this relationship with the players. How about a salary floor? We know that the players don't want a salary cap. What about a floor? Where teams have to spend this amount of money year in and year out. Free agency is almost a barren wasteland right now. 
If you're uh, if you're not the top of the top, if you're not a Bryce Harper, a Manny Machado, a Mookie Betts, who's going to be a free agent after this season, you're not getting money. And if you are, you are going to seriously take a discount or take a decrease in salary for what your for what the open market should call for and what your talent calls for, because teams don't have to spend. Teams can go cheap. If you draft a player, if you bring him up from the minor leagues, they're there with you for six years. So would you rather have six years of players making close to the minimum salary? Would you want to pay a 30-year-old who still can play but higher salary just because? A salary floor would prevent a lot of these teams from basically not spending money, slashing payroll, and not making free agency a barren wasteland that it has become. It's a scary place. And now if you're a player with any sort of talent and a team offers you any sort of extension, you take it because you have no clue what the free agent market's going to call for. And if anything, you're being devalued by the day rather than having your value increase. So why I would go financials and what I would want to say change to help me bring, you know, kind of help me, not bring me back, but maybe feel better about baseball is because that is the one area that the players and the owners could never agree upon. The distrust there is at its maximum. So if you can do something to fix that up, to shore up some trust, I think that would go a long way in getting um, not only myself back fully trusting the team and fully trusting baseball, but bringing me back as a fan totally. So I'm curious, have you been turned off by baseball? If you were frustrated with the way the negotiation was going, what would it take to bring you back? Is it, would it be a home run race? Would it be increased financials? Would it be changing the way the game is played? I'm just curious if there's something out there that you would like to see baseball get done if you were upset as a fan and you want to come back, but you want to come back when you see this change happen or that change happen. So if you want to let us, uh, if you want to contribute, if you want to give your thoughts on Facebook, World Sports Sports Network, shoot us a tweet, WWSRN underscore radio. If you're, uh, if you're on Twitter, you want to shoot me a tweet, um, Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three. So get those thoughts. And when we come back, is the NBA season in jeopardy? Is the Orlando plan not going to get off the ground? We'll explain and we'll discuss with Sean Devaney um, of Heavy.com and also Forbes on what Kyrie Irving's doing. He's trying to urge the players not to play. Is the NBA season truly in jeopardy? We'll get Sean's take when the morning boys run and return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's been very, very baseball heavy for this show as obviously over the weekend, Major League Baseball and their owners um, not only signed a new deal with Turner Sports that is worth $3.29 billion, the Major League Baseball Players Association threw in the towel and saying, we're done negotiations. Tell us where we have to play, when we have to play, and we'll be there. So there's one league that has had trouble getting, uh, getting off the ground here. And a league that we thought, for the most part, would be set sail, would have you know, come back smoothly here. And now there's some questions. Is the NBA? Because also over the weekend, not only do we have what's going to happen in Major League Baseball, there's some interest and possibly sitting out the rest of the season in Orlando, that's really getting spearheaded by Kyrie Irving. So the question is, is the NBA season in jeopardy of resuming? We'll discuss this with the great NBA reporter for not only Heavy.com and Forms, it is Sean Devaney. Sean, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. And 
like we said, you know, we thought for the most part that the season was going to get going. And all of a sudden now you hear this this movement led by Kyrie Irving um, talking to players and basically urge them not to resume the season in Orlando, try to boycott this assumption in order to use their platform um, to help social injustice. But I'm curious, Sean, timing-wise, why now? I mean, Kyrie was part of the Player Association that voted to approve the plan, right? No player disapproved it. It was voted 28 nothing, so it was unanimous. So why are the second thoughts kind of happening now after the deal was signed? It's a good question. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of owners and, and certainly Adam Silver – um, are frustrated by this that uh, uh, if these concerns uh, existed then 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 why weren't they raised uh, a week ago you know why are they coming up now so uh, that is certainly something that uh, uh, that, that, that on the the, the team side, uh, there's a lot of frustration with. I think with a lot of players too, there's frustration uh, that uh, uh, you know if this was going to be an issue, if this was going to be a threat uh, to coming back, uh, then why haven't we been talking about it uh, before? You know, there's there's uh, the great bulk of players do want to go to Orlando and play. You know, the the, the number of players that we're talking about, uh, you know, they're 80 on the call on fr- on Friday. And not all 80 of those players uh, would sit out. We're probably talking more like uh, in the 25 uh, to 35 range in terms of players who who, who might not want to go. Uh, and the league is 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 certainly prepared to continue uh, without those players. Uh, but you know, at the same time, uh, you know, this is it's 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 a bad look, and uh, and players are raising some some real concerns, certainly on the health side. Um, I think the social justice side, um, you know, in terms of Black Lives Matter and things like that, uh, you know, the league is uh, is is going to try to find ways to accommodate, um, you, you know, players uh, being able to express themselves. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, it certainly doesn't seem, and 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 LeBron James has been one player on the side of this. Uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, by playing, uh, that doesn't really affect your ability to speak out on these issues. So, uh, you know, it's a, there's a lot of frustration, both in terms of uh, uh, owners, both in terms of Adam Silver, and also in terms of uh, uh, the players who do want to play in Orlando uh, at the end of July. And Sean, you wrote a great article in Forbes earlier this week, and really, you know, you kind of highlight there's a, there's a rift that's going on between really the star players in the NBA and everyone else, the rank-and-file guys that maybe don't have their voice heard, maybe don't have their opinions yeah. heard, but they are the majority, almost a silent majority, if you will. Is that more, like, is that truly, you think, the crux of the issue here, um, that there are more, you know, the, a lot of these players that aren't getting their voice heard? Or is, do you really think that, you know, maybe social ju- injustice is, um, is a cause that they truly want to give their season for and maybe even give up some serious financial benefits in the future for? Um, is there, you know, is this rift, I should say, the driving force that maybe is being veiled by social reform? Yeah, you know, and, 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 and that's not to say that, that there aren't players who are legitimately concerned about social reform and, and, and would give up uh, uh, the rest of the season in order to focus on that. Uh, but in general, um, you know, this, is, this has been led by Kyrie Irving uh, and Avery Bradley. And I think Avery Bradley's sort of the more typical player uh, who, uh, who this message reaches. Uh, that's because when you look at the way that, that, that all this was done on the player side, uh, it was pretty much negotiated 
associated with the stars. It was pretty much, you know, LeBron James had a, had a, a conference call back in May with Steph Curry and, and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, some of the Russell Westbrook, some of the biggest uh, and best paid players uh, in the league. And they kind of came back, came together and said, you know, we need to speak as, as, as one, we need to be unified in our desire to come back. And that's great. Those are the star players. They have a lot of money at stake. Um, you know, for, for the rest of the players, uh, you know, there's much less at stake in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of their financials. Uh, you know, Avery Bradley will make uh, uh, something like four and a half million dollars this year. So uh, if he goes back and finishes out the season, you know, he's going to make, you know, probably about $300,000. Whereas LeBron James, if he goes back and plays those final eight games, he's going to make about two and a half million dollars. So, you know, there's, there's a lot more at stake for some guys than there are, than there is for other guys. And so when, when, when Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley started talking about this, I think they really struck a chord with the players who, who kind of said, you know, everything has been led by LeBron and, and his little group, his cohort. Uh, and, and, and we haven't been listened to. Uh, so, you know, Social justice is one of the reasons, but there's also health. There's also, you know, concerned about the COVID-19, about, uh, you know, about whether personnel at the hotels that they'll be staying at can come and go. Are they going to be bringing in uh, uh, coronavirus? You know, there's there's a lot of other concerns, but I think the main thing is, is that you have this 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 great mass of players that doesn't feel its voice has been heard really in the last few years, that it's all been sort of the star players that have been driving the league. We're talking with Sean Devenny, NBA reporter for Heavy.com. Also, Forbes, follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Devenny, D-E-V-E-N-E-Y. So, Sean, I'm curious, why is Kyrie then the guy that is kind of lending his platform, lending his voice to the sound majority that we'll call it, right, a lot of these rank-and-file players? Because he falls in the star category. He's the one who benefits from all of, all of these discussions. He's the one who kind of gives his, um, his opinion that weighs more, like I said, being one of the stars. Why is he the one that's kind of giving the voice now to a lot of these uh, players? It's a good question, and and you know there's there's a, uh, some debate about that about <laughs> about why exactly Kyrie is doing this. You know, is he it, does he feel marginalized uh, in terms of uh, uh, the way that the other stars have been uh, uh, driving this, and and he's not really part of that. Uh, that could certainly be be part of it. It could be just purely that 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 he is he does believe in the cause of social justice, and 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 certainly um, you know he, he's not a dumb guy. Sometimes he gets portrayed as a space cadet or, or, uh, you know, somebody who's, who lives on another planet, but, but, but he's not a dumb guy. And, and I do think he knows what's at stake here. Um, you know, it could cost him uh, about $30 million if, if, if the league shuts down this year uh, and they go into a lockout, which is a possibility, you know, the league, if they shut down this year, the league has the option of, of declaring, uh, uh, of tearing up the collective bargaining agreement and forcing a new, a new deal. Uh, and if that happens, Happens, then everybody's contract as they stand, those contracts get ripped up as well. So it could cost Kyrie as much as $30 million. I'm sure he understands that. Uh, so this has to be something that, uh, uh, that, that, that he's taking seriously, um, you know, because he stands to lose a lot of money uh, if, in fact, uh, uh, the worst case scenario comes to be uh, and they don't play and they wind up in a lockout next year. You know what the saying is, Sean, follow the money, right? Wherever the money goes, that's where uh, that's where you think a lot of decisions will go. So I'm curious, so how catastrophic would it be then? Like you said, if they don't play, if they don't resume um, in Orlando and the players do end up boycotting and the season doesn't get resumed, the owners can rip up the CBA. And basically, from what it sounds like and what we read, 
it's going to be really catastrophic for the players' financial, not just this year, but going forward as well. Is there really any financial justification for boycotting, rallying together, and not playing in Orlando? Well, I mean, you know, if if you're seriously worried about the health aspect of it, and 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 you think that 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 you're just going back for money, uh, and and you're not taking seriously the fact that 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 somebody could get sick, and it, and and that this thing uh, has the potential, it might be a small percentage, but it has the potential to kill somebody. Um, if 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 that's the reason, then uh, uh, you know, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, at the same time, uh, yeah, this could be financially catastrophic for for. for for the players this this you know if 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 in fact they don't go back and play if they cancel the season the league is able to use what's called force majeure uh which uh, you know is a legal term that basically because there's a pandemic the league is allowed to uh tear up the cba and start over uh and uh and and, and if that happens uh the players are going to have to negotiate from a position of weakness because there won't be uh, the same amounts of money. You know, TV contracts will get torn up. Everything's going to get torn up and they're going to have to start from scratch. Uh, you, you know, for players, that's going to mean giving up a lot that uh, uh, that, that that they've worked hard in, in, in past negotiations to ensure that they have. Uh, that's that that's not going to be a great situation for them. So uh, there is a lot at stake. Like I said, if, if you're serious about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, if you're serious about the health aspects, then, then it's obviously becomes a very, very difficult decision. Uh, but financially, uh, you know, you can see why, why there's some motivation to, uh, uh, to take the risk and, uh, and go out there and play. So I'm with Sean Devaney, NBA reporter for heavy.com and Forbes does great work there. So Sean, you just kind of mentioned it. Player and this is you know players are legitimately um, interested in Black Lives Matter movement and, and they've done so far a great great job at raising awareness and use their platform for good. So I'm curious, does it make more sense to me? Is playing basketball resuming the year in Orlando? Is it a better platform for them to raise awareness? We've heard players, namely Dwight Howard and others, kind of voice their concern that the message will be lost once player uh, once the play gets started, and then we'll be talking about box scores rather than really what matters. Does it make more sense? Is the platform bigger for these players to promote social justice, promote change while playing basketball, or would it be better served kind of, you know, continuing what they're doing now in their hometowns, in their cities, leading marches and trying to change form from the ground? You know, I, I mean, I, I think back to, you know, when Trayvon Martin uh, was killed uh, in Florida uh, and what the Miami Heat did, how they all came out in hoodies, and, and, and that became a national story, and that, that raised awareness further. Um, I think about when Eric Gardner was killed in, in New York. Um, you know, he was killed in sort of the same way as George Floyd in a, in a chokehold sort of situation. Um, and, uh, and, and players came out and they wore the I can't breathe shirts, which is what Eric Garner was saying, uh, you know, as he was killed. Um, you know, those, those sorts of things, that, that raised awareness. That, that probably did more to raise awareness than tweeting or going on Instagram Live uh, is going to do for uh, uh, for players. So I don't. I guess I don't understand necessarily the the, the argument that uh, that going back and playing is going to take away from uh, from the message. I think it'll amplify a message, and, and and a lot of players feel that way too. You know, LeBron being uh, the most prominent among them. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I, I can't argue with with, with Kyrie or, or Avery Bradley. Uh, you know, maybe they have uh, a different viewpoint on that uh, it just seems to me in the past that uh, uh that, that 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 the nba has been able to use its platform uh to deliver those messages uh, pretty effectively and uh uh not having basketball out there or having basketball out there i'm not sure it really changes uh the uh 
the, the impact of the message, you know. So I, I, I don't. I guess I don't necessarily see the argument of uh, uh, of not playing because of that. I think you can still do uh, both things at the same time. It's a great point. I'm with you there, Sean. Like, like I said, especially now when we see the ratings through the roof on sports that we normally wouldn't watch. Just imagine mm-hmm. with the NBA, that platform, how many eyeballs right. are going to be watching. It's going to be, like you said, no better way to kind of spread the message as well as continuing to play basketball. So, Sean, I'm curious because, like I said, obviously one of the issues that the players are concerned about is social reform and, and that message getting lost. The other part, as we mentioned, is health, right? The coronavirus, we still don't really know too much about it. A lot of players, a lot of staff will be in Orlando in one spot. There's questions about the bubble. Is part of the issue, is there's too many teams, is 22 teams too much to be brought back where maybe if it was 16 or maybe even 20, would maybe these concerns be eased a little bit? Is part of the uneasiness because there's too many teams coming back? No, I, you know, I'm not sure about that. You know, I, 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 I think no matter what the number of teams uh, that, that they brought back, there would have been the same concern as far as that goes. Um, and, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. And, and, and I talked to a coach uh, uh, last week who, who put it this way and said, uh, you know, where I live, they're opening things back up. So you're going to have more people uh, circulating. You look at these photos of people on the beach and, and nobody's wearing masks and, and everybody's close to each other and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and his point was, uh, you know, where I live, if we're not playing, uh, then it's going to be, you know, much more dangerous than being in the Orlando. Orlando bubble where I'm getting tested every two days uh, and, uh, and 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 sort of set off uh, from, from from the way everybody else is 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 trying to come back from this thing maybe too fast in some cases. So uh, you know it, the the coach's point was that he actually feels safer being in the bubble uh, than 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 being uh, uh, you know out in the world because uh, uh, because things are opening up. So uh, you know that's 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 something that uh, uh, I think everybody has a little bit of a different opinion on but but there are some people who like i say say uh you know i i'd actually feel safer in the bubble than uh uh than out in the uh the so-called regular world it's a great point when you think about it like that right it's it's everything's right there medically for them to be as safe as possible compared to if you're in your hometown or your, your team city where like you said everything's opening up and as we see unfortunately some of the spikes have got up in some cities that's interesting um, a good point to uh, to mention there. But, Sean, also, I'm curious, I guess the final concern maybe, and this is obviously the smallest the, the smallest concern for at least in two different groups of players, is some are ready to cash in this summer. You, know, you have guys like Jason Tatum, Don Mitchell, lined up for some massive extensions if their teams want to give it to them. But there's some injury risk, and there's you know some question marks if they, if they resume after sitting on the couch for four months and then playing going right into a, um, a high-intensity playoff series and um, regular season per se. I'm so curious, if you... If, if we could put you in the body, let's say Don Mitchell or Jason Tatum, would you feel comfortable if you had a big extension coming up in a few months, would you feel comfortable resuming the season in Orlando with the injury risk that's possibly out there? Well, you know, I, you know, again, like you've got to think of the big picture, right? Because if you don't go out and play, uh, then the sa- then then at the very least, the salary cap is going to take a serious hit, uh, and your contract is going to be based on the salary cap, so your contract is going to be that much lower. Uh, or as we talked about, you know, the worst case scenario is they tear up the CBA, uh, and then you just don't have any contract. So you know, yeah, you can you can certainly be concerned about the potential for an injury, uh, but at the same time. If you don't go out and play, you know, there's, there's, you're not getting anything. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a really difficult decision. You see, um, you know, a lot of discussion about insurance. I think that's probably going to be the answer for this. Um, you know, that, uh, the, the, that getting insurance is going to be, uh, 
the best way to handle this somehow. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, certainly for those guys uh, who are going to be free agents who were uh, sort of counting on the fact that, that, that they get something along the lines of a max deal, um, you know, that, that, that that's going to be a big concern because you get an injury and, and all of a sudden that max deal uh, might not be there. Uh, you know, having said that, the other thing too, though, is that, what injury could you possibly get that would, if you're Jason Tatum, you're going to get paid. Um, you know, if it, uh, maybe a torn Achilles is the only thing that could affect that. Even if you tear your ACL uh, and you have to sit out for a year, you're still going to get a max deal. You just are. Look, look at what, Ky- you know, um, I'm sorry, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, who's coming off. He had an Achilles injury and he's 31. He got, you know, he got a max deal. So, you know, if you're if you're one of these guys, I understand the concern at the same time. You're still going to get paid. It's it's it's, you know, you get some insurance. I'm sure that'll all work out. We'll finish up with this, Sean, and this is the the billion-dollar question per se, right? Obviously, we know LeBron James, Giannis, James, all these big stars want to resume. They want to play. But ultimately, I mean, if the majority of these rank-and-file players don't want to play, we won't have a season. So do you think ultimately season will we'll, we'll play will come down and we'll be playing in Orlando in what is, about a month and a half or so? I, I think the question is going to be how many players can the rosters lose uh, and the NBA still say that's okay. You know, we can just replace those guys. You know, if you have, uh, you know, on the Lakers, for instance, you know, Avery Bradley and 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 uh, and Dwight Howard have been the most outspoken about not playing. Uh, if they, if you have to replace those guys, uh, you know, does that still count as the Lakers? Is it still the Lakers, or is it some, uh, you, you know? kind of offset uh, uh, replacement team, like almost in a strike year or something like that. Um, you know, how many players uh, can can the NBA afford to lose and still have it be a credible season? Like you can say, okay, that's the Lakers. Uh, you know, if they were to lose Kyle Kuzma too, would that, would that, would, would it no longer be the Lakers, you know? Uh, and I think that's going to be the question uh, going through here is, uh, uh, you know, who can we afford to lose and how many players can we afford to lose and still have uh, what would be considered some kind of legitimate tournament, uh, uh, playoff tournament. You know, that's that that that's going to be the question. I think that 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 there won't be enough players to deter the league from going forward with this. Um, but uh, uh, but you know, if you start getting uh, at least two and maybe even three for every team, then then the league's going to have to reconsider. So that would require uh, you know about forty or fifty players. If if you get forty or fifty players. Uh, on these 22 teams who don't want to play, uh, then I think you believe is going to have to cave and, and, and figure out the next step. Uh, but, you know, if it's, if it's something in the range of 20, I think the league will say, all right, we'll go ahead and play. That's interesting. Definitely something to keep our eye on these next few weeks, like you said. Now it just you start counting the players they want to play. Like you said, it adds up, and what that magic number is for the NBA to just say, ah, we'll pack it up, we'll see you in 2020, 2021, is going to be very interesting to see that plays out in the next few weeks. Sean Devaney, great NBA reporter for Heavy.com and Forbes. Follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Devaney, D-E-V-E-N-E-Y. Sean, thank you so much for the time. Really do appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see basketball in about six weeks. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to that, but uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. Absolutely. Thank you again, Sean Devaney, NBA reporter for Heavy.com and Forbes. A great follow on Twitter. You can find all his work. And like I said, I highly suggest you read his Forbes article um, highlighting really the rift between the star players and everyone else which, as Sean hit on, could be a driving force as to why these negotiations um, have been, or at least why these, uh, these concerns have started to uh, kind of come to the surface and boil to the surface here with a lot of rank-and-file players. So one point I want to kind of that Sean hit on, 
I want to discuss next. How can NBA players best use their platform? Is their platform best used to resume the league in Orlando to get their message across about social injustice? We'll discuss whether that is the case or whether Kyrie Irving is correct and these players should avoid Orlando and try to continue to social justice what they've been doing on their own. We'll discuss what the best way is when we come back. It is the Ryan Hickey or the Morning Boys Ryan Hickey right here on the World Art Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Edward Lehman has been a trusted insurance advisor for over 16 years with insurance solutions for auto, home, commercial, life, and retirement. He's located at 54 Sunnyside Boulevard, Suite H in Plainview. That's just 1,000 feet south of 495. Local agent, local advice. The time to think about insurance is before you need it. So do yourself a favor, and before you pay your next insurance bill, give Ed and his team a call, 516-935-3900, or visit him online at www.allstate.com forward slash EL. Edward H. Lehman Insurance is your trusted insurance advisor. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. We appreciate Sean Devney again jumping on here, talking about the NBA and his concern. The last point's interesting. Number to watch as see how many players kind of voice their concerns of whether they feel safe where they want to use their platform to promote um, social justice on their own terms, per se. It's going to be very interesting to see kind of, you know, what happens here these next few weeks if a majority of these players, um, especially the, the lower rank and file, you know, average players that make up the league, um, what they decide to. So self, definitely something to, uh, to watch for sure. We appreciate Sean jumping on um, here and give us a few minutes. So have a great show, 2020 Apocalypse, about 15 minutes or so. We'll see if we can have one person. Either get a record, either be the first person to go 0 for 5, first person to go 5 for 5. We will see with our, uh, with our next contestant again in about 15 minutes or so. And finish up the show at 1040, just about Eastern time. Should the Vikings pay Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook is holding out, will not, be, uh, will not um, attend excuse me, any Vikings practices, meetings, Zoom meetings, until he has a new deal. So should the Vikings pay their running back or should they continue to um, look elsewhere? Get a replacement. We'll let you know at 1040 or so Eastern. But I want to kind of hit on what, what Sean talked about and really what Kyrie Irving's message is. Right, His message is being, let's use our platforms for good. This is our time in our country where we see social unrest is very high. Awareness, 
more importantly, to the issues, never been higher. People are embracing that change has to happen. People are out there trying to enact change. And now, without really any distractions, without sports going on, with us, for the most part, still quarantined at home, not going on vacation, not watching new TV shows for the most part, we are all kind of hyper-focused and hyper-aware of everything that's going on in the world. And Kyrie Irving is urging and really almost pleading with a lot of these players that, hey, we shouldn't play in Orlando. We should use our platform that we have for good. Let's get on the front lines. Let's continue to march. Let's continue to enact change in our neighborhoods because so far, as you see, the momentum is building, right? Social justice has gone great this last three, three or so weeks. Um, let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep this momentum going. And part of that in Kyrie's mind is to not play in Orlando, not give a distraction to the people that could take away from social justice, um, and then continue again business as, as – or continue to do what they're doing and raising awareness, whatever way it is, whether it's um, – Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon marching on the front lines in Atlanta. Um, however, players have been trying to raise awareness and use their platform, continue to do it. But for me, personally, I feel like the best way to continue to raise awareness, the best way for the players to use their platform is by playing, is by going to Orlando, resuming the season, playing the eight regular season games, playing the playoffs as normal, and for a few reasons why. One, we hit on with Sean. Their platform currently right now will never be greater than it is. You know the NBA is rising. The NBA is the second most popular sport behind the NFL. But for the most part, the NBA, until really the playoffs, I'll say, is never at the front of our mind. It's never the lead story. It's never something that we're always glued into. Because as we know, the regular season feels like it's just, you know, we're, we're into the postseason, right? The first the season starts in October. We have NFL football. We have college football. The Super Bowl ends in February. And that's really when we turn our attention outside of Christmas Day, when we really turn our true attention to the NBA. And even that point, February, March, we're counting down to the playoffs. So even though ba basketball is very popular, even though it's growing continually, the platform they will have with no sports on the landscape currently, with baseball being unable to figure out how to come to a deal, Hockey is still, you know, we love hockey, but it's not on the same level as basketball. The eyes that would be glued to playoff basketball and to these games would be greater than we ever seen. And I'll use the examples. NASCAR. They're really the first true uh, sport to resume. But they've had races the last few weeks. Their ratings have risen impressively since resuming. Their first race back since quarantine started was at Darlington. It was the highest non-rated Daytona 500 race since 2017 in three years. People are desperate for sports. People want to watch games and see outcomes they don't know, or I should say watch games and watch events that they don't know the outcome to. Right? We can only watch so many classic games knowing, oh, this team won or this home run happens here. That's why you watch sports. That's why you like sports because you don't know what's going to happen. You never know what you're going to see. So NASCAR's ratings are up 38%. And that first race back at Darlington compared to their last race before the coronavirus shutdown. Excuse me. So if NASCAR is bumping up their fan base, if they are getting more eyes on their races, imagine what the NBA is going to do in an already popular league with no other sports, no other outlet to look at for at least, at least a month. Imagine what they can do to teach the message, to continue the message, and the fans that they'll be able to reach by continuing to play the games and continuing to spread the message during the games, before the games, after the games. Because think about this. If the players don't play, right, they continue to use their already famous platforms, right, these guys, Instagram, Twitter, hundreds of thousands of followers. But think about it. 
a lot of these viewers that would be tuning in now, a lot of the new viewers that are desperate for sports and maybe weren't a big NBA fan beforehand that are watching because there's nothing else on to watch and they miss sports so much, their message can get out to a greater audience than it would on their social media pages. Because average NBA fans, maybe NBA fans that you know are a fan of the Knicks or the Bucks or the Lakers, but don't follow or aren't aware of the great work that other players in the league are doing. You know, Jalen Brown can do all the great work he can, and he's been doing tremendous work. But his social media platforms don't reach everybody. Not everyone in the world that's on Facebook, that's on Twitter, that's on Instagram is following Jalen Brown. So his message can't get out to the greater sum of people than it could. If you have millions of people watching an NBA basketball game, after the game he talks about, hey, you know, it was a great game, but let's talk about this. This great thing is happening in our city. Look at what, you know, some of the people I've been working with, look at what we've been able to accomplish. The platform will never be greater. You never have more eyes watching NBA playoffs than that would happen in 2020. It's a great platform to, um, to help in, uh, invoke change. And guess what? For those sports that have returned, right, we saw golf over the weekend, NASCAR's been going, Changes, players and athletes are using, cha- uh, using their platforms of sports resuming to change, and it's already happening. I'm talking about NASCAR having their ratings up. Bubba Wallace, the only African-American driver currently in NASCAR, spoke out about the Conf- uh, Confederate flag. He said, we got to get rid of it. We sh- it shouldn't be at NASCAR races. We should ban it. Guess what NASCAR did? They listened. Two days later, they banned the Confederate flag. Wallace, who, uh, let's be honest, let's take a quick poll here. Has any, raise your hand if you heard of Bubba Wallace before last week. Now, obviously, I can't see anyone. I'm assuming, and you see me. My hand is not up. I've never heard of Bubba Wallace. I really haven't been into NASCAR. But he used his platform for good. He used his platform to enact change, and it's working. He wears an I Can't Breathe shirt before the race starts. He has a Black Lives Matter as a sponsor of his car. So he's using his platform for good, and NASCAR, which is not popular in the United States, which is losing viewership, he's getting his matches out. People now, you know, he's a household name that, I mean, I, if I watch 10 laps of NASCAR in my life, that's, that's a lot. I now know who Bubba Wallace is and the message he's trying to send. Because of NASCAR resuming and because of more fans are watching than ever before, the message can get out loud and clear. So again, imagine what the NBA can do with an already large platform that's only going to increase. When everyone is watching, imagine what they can do whether it's taking a knee before the National Anthem. Remember, there's a rule in the NBA that says you have to stand for the National Anthem. That's part of the reason why the NBA players have not taken a knee where NFL players have. You could take away that law, or that rule, I should say, and allow players to take a knee before a playoff game, before the season resumes, and the National Anthem is playing. You could say that, maybe mention social justice, the work these players have been doing, the work the teams have been doing, or maybe the city that they live in or play in has been doing during interviews, during post-game, during pre-game. There's plenty of ways to continue the message, to really pass the message along while playing the game of basketball. And finally, because again, it's always all about the money. As we talked to Sean, if the NBA players don't play, and let's say you know the reason is good. I'm, I, I'm, I hope that you, you know I am for the message and I'm not trying to take away from the message or demean the message at all. But as we know, money is king. And if the season is not played, players are in big trouble financially. Adrian Wojnarowski, the great ESPN insider for the NBA, wrote in an article over the weekend, players could lose up to $1.2 billion in salary if the season doesn't resume in Orlando. 
And this could mean, as we heard Sean just say as well, the uh, NBA could terminate the, the could terminate the current CBA, lock the players out, and right now the players and the owners have a 50-50 split. So the NBA revenues keep going up. Guess what? The players get half of that. They could implement a less favorable plan where the players get less money because the owners have to recoup so much. And guess what happens? If the players make less money, their contracts are cut, taken down or cut short, or unfortunately for some players, if they just aren't signed again, less money equals less opportunity to donate to good causes, to spend to help promote the message. So again, while we always, it's always about the money. We always got to follow the dollars. Less money for players right now, if they don't resume, means less money they can donate, less money they can use to enact change in a positive way. So for me, that's why I look at kind of everything together, package it all together. Platform's never been greater. We've already seen change through NASCAR and what one racer who was relatively anonymous before uh, to the general public before this. The great message he's been spreading, the awareness that he has raised and continue to raise through the actions he's done in NASCAR have enacted real change already. And again, NASCAR's platform is a little bigger now, but imagine what the NBA, with their massive platform, and continually going to grow once they and if they resume. I think it would be a great opportunity for them um, to continue to spread the message and really, really have some serious momentum and serious change happen. So I am against Kyrie when he's saying that players should not play in order to continue the message. I think it makes more sense and would be more profitable and, and more beneficial to everyone involved to play the season, continue to spread the message while playing games, before the games, during the games, after the games. I think that would be more powerful. I think that would resonate with more people than it would if, if you don't play and you just try to go on social media and enact change yourself. So let's get your thoughts. You know, is this is the best way to promote a good message to play? Is it using that massive NBA platform to, again, spread the message of good? Or are you with Kyrie? Should the players boycott? Take a stand now. Try to enact real change by not playing instead getting on the front lines, going to Congress, marching in, in marches in cities, and go to the front lines to help to enact change. So let's get your thoughts. The best way to focus, and it, are you with Kyrie, essentially, that players should not play in Orlando and um, instead use their time, use their platform, use their focus? to continue the message, continue the momentum that's going on, or would that be best served by playing and doing both like LeBron James, who is very philanthropic, who has done a great, great job in the community helping under you know underprivileged kids and trying to really help spread the message. He believes he can do both. So if he believes it, should the other NBA players believe it as well? So let's get your thoughts, whether it's on Facebook, World Dutch Sports Radio Network, uh, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. So we'll get those thoughts, and when we come back, we'll get to those thoughts as well as the fastest-growing game show in all of America, 2020 or Pile Clips. Will we get the first perfect score, or will we get the first zero? Our next contestant will tell you who it is and how he does. When the morning boys run, he can return right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. And 
welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is 1020. You hear the music. You know that means the latest edition of 2020 or Apocalypse. We'll give you five headlines. It is something that actually happened in 2020. Is this a real headline or is this made up? Only what happened in the Apocalypse. A very, very crowded leaderboard so far. Three-way tie for first place. Three-way tie for second place. But the saving grace is shining light. The perfect score is still not attained so far. We're doing this game for almost two months now, I think. No perfect score has been set yet. We'll see if our next contestant can go five for five and guarantee himself a spot at number one. It is a former roommate of mine, Penn State alum. Great, great guy, New Jersey man himself, and big Bucks fan, diehard, lifelong Buccaneers fan. We have to get into that as this team had a hell of an offseason. But it's none other than the great Cody Enos. Cody, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm coming for the five out of five. I'm coming for the perfect score. You are coming coming out hot, coming out straight. You called your shot last week after you heard uh, my great friend Marzo go two out well, depending who you ask, either two out of five or one out of five. But he had, a, he had a rough outing. But are you ready? You're going for the crown. You're going for five out of five. You're feeling confident. I am. I was listening on Friday. Those are some tough ones you were giving him. So maybe maybe help me out with some softballs like you gave me, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, if people, there's a lot of, uh, the, let's just say the audience is very upset. The questions are too hard or, or too easy, depending on who you ask. But, hey, we'll, we'll try to go in the middle here. We'll try to give some softballs uh, like, like Lauren got, uh, allegedly. But we'll, Let's uh, go. We'll, we'll try. Are you ready for <laughs> I number? I need the help. <laughs> are you ready for number one, Cody? I'm ready, man. Let's go. All right. An Oregon restaurant created a trap door in the middle of their dining room so they could hide half their customers to appear like they're operating at half capacity to authorities, when in reality, they're filling the entire restaurant to make up for lost money. Is that something real? Did a real restaurant create a trap door to make it seem like they're operating at half capacity, or is that fake? Only in the apocalypse would someone have that sort of idea to uh, curtail these social distancing rules. I feel like I would have heard of this if it was real. I feel like the authorities would have come come down hard on this restaurant, even though it is Oregon, and who knows what goes on out there. I I think that's that's not 2020. That's the apocalypse world. That would be correct, sir. Let's go. You are I'd one start. for one. The thinking, the logic is absolutely correct. You you would think, right? If someone had to do that, the creativity there would let alone for it. Headlines all over. I the love world. the creativity, and I'm kind of. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone did try that throughout the country. But if it was news, then that means they would have been caught, and it would have it would have been everywhere. So that that is true. News, especially now, it's hard to kind of get by. But hey, maybe if someone's listening, they own a restaurant. There's the idea, free of charge. Just don't blame me when, it, when the authorities come knocking. Do not say it was my idea. We'll give it all yours. But Cody, first step to a perfect score, 20 percent there. Let's you go. Are one for one. You ready for number two? Let's do it. A French man was awarded $45,000 because his former job allegedly bore him out of his mind. Bored him, excuse me. So he was, his former job was so boring that a judge awarded him $45,000 because it was, his claims were accurate. Is this 2020 or Apocalypse? Oh, wait, say that again. Break that one down a little a, bit. Okay, sorry. A French man was <laughs> awarded $45,000 because his former job bored him out of his mind. Who awarded him the $45,000? The court. Took him to court, and they awarded him forty-five dollars I feel like that's so weird that, that Hickey's mind wouldn't be able to come up with that one. So that's the only reason that makes me think that's got to be real. Um, Hickey, your crazy mind thinks of 
storing people underground in Oregon restaurants, but I don't know if you can come up with this one. So I'm going to say this is 2020. That is real. See, you're, you're catching on to the mind. You're the first person. You got to think. I feel like you got to think like me. Um, oh, I live with you. I live with you for a year in the same bedroom as you. So uh, we slept inches apart from each other. So I feel like I know your mind pretty well. That's true. I probably should have catered these questions differently because you're right. You probably have almost anyone on the show would know how my mind works. So maybe an unfair advantage. It's, it's a hey. scary place. It's a scary place, but somewhere I'm willing Please. to go to get the uh, five out of five. Police. The things I had to deal with with you as a roommate. Oh my God, I couldn't even. We don't have to get into it, but <laughs> I mean, looking at your hair right now, it looks like you picked up some some hair tips from me. I mean, the hair is looking fresh today. I recommend people to go on the Facebook stream, check out Hickey's hair because it is on point. Are you watching? Hold on. Are you watching the? Are you watching the right show? I have a hat on today. Okay. Well, I may not be watching today, but I've, I've watched okay. some past days. That's and your hair. That's fine. is on point lately. Holy cow! I was gonna say, make sure you're watching the right show. <laughs> that is the one thing if anyone knows cody um his hair is maybe his lifeblood that thing the, the amount of gel that's got that's gone into that head of hair the amount of combing i mean gotta protect to, the money maker trying you know? to trying to go out on time with this guy was um let's say not easy <laughs> not easy for sure you, you you know people always say girls take a long time to get ready. girls you know are one category cody's in a whole other category of trying to trying to get ready but this is real. So, sorry, for the explanation, this guy's name is Frederick Desnard. He worked as a manager at a Paris-based perfume firm until 2014. Claims after he lost a big client, he was relegated to working monotonous duties for a year that made him depressed. And he got severance because of Fordham, uh, because of boredom. First time in French history that this has happened. How about that? Imagine that, being so bored at your job, you actually get paid for it. So I, I'm jealous of this guy. That sounds great. Jealous. Cody, you work at the NFL. <laughs> how, how truly boring is your day? Hey, every job, you know, everyone can complain. Well, okay, a bit. I, guess, I guess that's fair. You, uh, you may green have... is, grass is always greener on the other side, you know. Grass is always greener on the other side. That is, that is fair. But, hey, you are so far two out of two. Let's keep it rolling. Chance for, 500, or for a perfect score still out there. You ready for number three? Let's do it. A Queens man was arrested after chasing down Black Lives Matter demonstrators while affixing knives to his hand to make a Wolverine-type claw also attempted to run over demonstrators with his car. Is this real? Did he actually make, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the Wolverine claw? Where he's like basically yeah. knives tied yeah. on every knuckle. So he fashioned a Wolverine-type claw um, to run at demonstrators with while also trying to run them over with his car. Real or fake? Now, this is a tough one because this sounds very real and very 2020 based off of the year so far. And it wouldn't shock me, but I feel like this happened in New York. I would have heard about it. I followed the news pretty closely. Um, but, you know, just going on the theme of the year, I could definitely see someone trying to be Wolverine. Now, I'm going to say it's true. It's 2020. That is 2020. Cody, Let's three go. out of three. Love it. Frank Cal Cavaluzzi was arrested with 20 different charges for doing for putting the, the knives to his hand and running over demonstrators. Now, I don't think he was able to actually ran anyone over, thankfully. But, I mean. That's good. You, you are right. For, for the way the year has gone, this has been uh, that's, anything that's very but on normal. It is very on brand for, for the year we have. Wow, three out of three. I, I got. I don't keep stats like you know exactly uh, questions right. 
You you're in rare territory. I don't think many many people have made it three out of three. It sounds so far. like some. It feels like something magical is going to happen. It's kind of <laughs> like you know, once you get through six innings in a no hitter, you should start calling your friends up. Uh, something may happen here. Well, if you're listening, maybe call up call up a friend, <laughs> family member, ask them to tune in to the Mormon Boys because uh, something's happening here. Get on the stream. We have some magic happening. This is not an everyday occurrence. Are you one of those guys that will say, "Hey guys, we have no hitter on," or will you say? Hey, something's happening. Oh, I can't tell you what you it can't, is. Just... You can't say the words. You okay. can't say the words. So we, we won't say – we won't tell you what's going on. But right now, Cody, you're doing well. We'll, we'll leave it <laughs> at that. Just tune in. Yeah. <laughs> Get on a computer right now. All right. Are you ready for number four? Let's go. A new law was passed in Hong Kong making it illegal to mock the Chinese national anthem, and that crime is punishable by up to three years of jail time. <sighs> hmm. I know there's a lot of, you know, Hong Kong, China been in the news in the last year or so. So nothing would really surprise me. Um, so mocking the Chinese national, national anthem is punishable by three years. Yes, that, it that, is that, now that illegal in Hong Kong. If this is real or if it's fake, it's completely made up. What is, your, is this real? Is there a real law in Hong Kong saying do not mock the Chinese anthem? And if so, I'll see you in jail for three years. This is a difficult one, but I feel like with all the protests in Hong Kong in the last couple of years, a lot of people would have mocked the national anthem. And I'm going to say that's not true. I feel like that seems almost too believable, and you're trying to trick me. So I'm going to say that is not 2020. That is 2020. Cody, that is oh! a real. We jinxed it. That is a real headline. The new oh. law went into effect June 12th, so I believe that's Friday, and also claimed that's not a suppression of free speech. That is a real headline. That's a real law. I was thinking Hong too Kong. much into it. I thought too deep. The lo- I'll say this. The logic, I appreciate you first of all, you're thinking it out on the air. And second of all, the logic for the first four, I think the logic was there. It was right. I would have probably, if that question was <sighs> yeah. posed to me, I think it would have said the same thing because you're right. There's a lot of unrest, a lot of... Uh, a lot of pushing back, a lot of protesting, but unfortunately, I can feel the pressure. I could feel the amount of of listeners growing, so the pressure is getting to me. That's the viewership and, has grown exponentially. The fans are on the edge of their seats. Every out, everyone's going crazy, and you, you let the pressure get to you. You grooved one down the middle there, and the guy just crushed a single. And there goes there goes the perfect game. There goes the no hitter. But hey, I can still go for the tie. You could still go for the tie. First place is still out there if you get number five. So hey. You know, you could still get the shutout victory. You could still get the win at the end of the day. Are you ready for the final question? Let's go. A Boston man is suing Taco Bell because he says they are the main reason he suffered a heart attack as he gained 50 pounds during this quarantine that led to his decreasing health condition. Is that apocalypse or 2020? As uh, you know. I mean, you can attest to this. We are fans of Taco Bell late night at Penn State. We All right. would uh, make some visits there. So. R.I.P., man. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. to it's, that it's Taco Bell. It's late to rest. That, oh. is, that is unbelievable. Some good memories there. So I can attest to uh, how Taco Bell can contribute to a, a bad diet. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's one that Hickey's mind can come up with. <laughs> it's definitely definitely believable. Definitely believable. Wouldn't shock me, but I'm going to say that's not 2020. That is the apocalypse. That did not happen. That's not true. Someone is not suing Taco Bell for the main reason for having a heart attack. You, sir, have figured out the logic and maybe kind of broke open the game. Four out of five. Cody, that's pretty good, man. You're in first place. 
first of all, you're so what, really... you just you just give six questions to some people, people you wow. like. Like, how do how do I get a six question? Wow. Here? Well, what happens? I mean, now we're four way tie. I may have to, you know, first and second place get a prize. I may have to have some sort of tiebreaker, bring everyone back for like a lightning round sort of thing here. Um, but to be fair, the la- that was a very one off. I found a question that I liked. You know, before the show started, got to got to put this in. So it happened just to have six. Um, okay. Just happened to have six questions lined up, and there was some controversy. I'll be fair. You know, I may have left out a uh, a detail that would have changed uh, Marzo's answer. So I felt bad. He was not going to win anyway. So I was like, all right, fair you know, enough. We'll, we'll give him. You know, we, we'll let him get out of the basement here and not be in last place. Um, although the people a pity, in last a pity place question, are not. Basically. No, it was. I don't want. I don't want controversy. You know, I don't want this marred by controversy by questions. Is this legitimate? You know, I don't. No controversy. No asterisks for me here. Okay, I'm trying to keep this a uh, a clean ship. So I figured, you know, what, best way to do that, we'll give it one more question, get you know all the controversy out of the way, and we'll get a real score. But uh, I guess That's I got. I got to have you back now. We'll do like a, a champions, uh, a, some sort of champions round where uh, everyone can fight and you can get the title back. But. Hey. Well, hecky, let me know when that is because I'll be coming prepared. I'm I'm still kicking myself. I didn't get five out of five, but I'll take it. I'm in the running. I'll you were the it. biggest threat. I've never been more. Well, I want something to get five out of five. I think it'd be cool. And I thought I thought this was the one. I can't I can't lie, Chad. I thought this was the one where you. Uh, I let you down. You had the logic down, and uh, you you did crush it. Hey, four to five, nothing to hang your hat on. But I'll, I'll finish up with this. Bucks fan, obviously a great off season. What what what's the expectations? Are we talking Super Bowl or bust here? I mean, I'm. I had a very different position this year, obviously. The Bucks, you know, used to coming into the season with no expectation, shocked the world. Obviously, they haven't shocked the world any time soon, not making the playoffs since 2007. So it's a, it's a different position to be in with all this expectations. I think – I don't think it's going to be, you know, we're going to win the first 12 games of the season. I think there will maybe be a little bit of a uh, – learning curve getting the offense down i mean they have a tough schedule open up with the saints and brady i mean people are acting like brady is his 30 year old self in his prime he didn't have the best season last year but with all the weapons i think the defense is super underrated todd Bowles does great things with that defense um yeah i, I think it's definitely a playoff team definitely where they go a from there team. all right where they go from there we'll see but um, and again, after not making the playoffs in was it 13 years, I'll, I'll take that. And wow. uh, any anything more would be uh, would just be a cherry on top. Wow, so very tempered expectations, very low key. We'll see. We'll just I'm not getting the I'm not getting my hopes up too much. Yeah, we're not firing those cannons yet. First team to host their own Super Bowl and playing, and we're we're not getting to that point yet. We'll see. again. Well, uh, I think there may be a little bit of learning curve, but believe me. Plenty of cannons will be fired at uh, at Raymond James Stadium this year. One game, one quarter, one play at a time, huh? Exactly. (laughs) Win the day. That's all you can do. And I'll finish the quote. I got to ask you this. As a lifelong Yankees fan, we'll finish up with this. What what are you going to feel like? What are your thoughts going to be when the Yankees come out later today? The letter is unsealed, and it found out that the Yankees cheated equally or just as bad as the Astros in 2015, 2016, and 2017. And at least with the Astros and the Red Sox, they won when they cheated. The Yankees didn't even win. How much is that going to hurt more when you see Aaron Judge knew a fastball was coming? I don't think. And still I think struck people... out. <laughs> at least he wasn't caught looking like Beltron, you know. Come so on, man. I don't want to hear we have, it. We have to go um, that. It's too soon. Look, I think I, I know the Yankees already. I haven't looked too deep into this, but I know they've already put out a statement saying the charges aren't 
what they did wasn't as big of a deal as what the Astros and the Red Sox did. Um, so well, I don't that's know. The case, we'll see they're, what... they're trying hard to make sure that letter doesn't come to the public. Oh, please. Makes you, makes you mean, think, what's in there? What don't what they want us to see? Conspiracy hour? I'm conspiracy just, theory hour? I'm just I'm asking questions. I just want to know the answers. That's all. We'll find the answers. And the Yankees did nothing wrong. They're a franchise of pride, power, pinstripes, and they were never oh, cheap. Man. So, I mean, <laughs> Aaron Judge, Aaron you, Judge is going to have some explaining to do about his uh, social media activity when he when he find out that he was guessing fastball before everybody else. That's he was not the one. Even... Oh, Give me man. a break. Give I me a break. Wait. Win well, a championship for the first time in 50 <laughs> years, why don't you? I, well, you know what? That's going to happen. They're going to play 50 games. The Mets are going to win the World Series. <laughs> the Mets are going to win. And the and entire an life, everyone's going to be just laughing because they're going to say, that's not a real title, and I'm going to just go to my grave. Yeah. With an illegitimate World Series and probably exactly. more flack than if they didn't win. But if the Yankees win their 28th, it's completely <laughs> legitimate. Just just remember that. <laughs> they count as the 27 previous. It is all legit. That is... Uh, <laughs> exactly. Only if they win, though. You only, only if they win. Well, Cody, we appreciate you coming on, man. Four to five, nothing hey. sees that. Your first place. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks, thanks for having me. Again, anytime you need me back for the uh, the tiebreaker, which I will ultimately definitely win uh just let me know all right will will do cody stay well man keep grinding and uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon thanks man sounds good keep it up the great the great cody enos right there a hell of a guy as you can hear and one that really understood not to give anything away understood really the mindset of what goes into this game i try my best to be creative some people complain some audience members complained on, uh, on Thursday's show that I recycled some apocalypse questions. And you're damn right I did. It's not as easy as you think to make up some false, uh, false headlines and make it sound real. So we're trying here. But Cody, for the most part, almost cracked the code. He had a good idea of how to do it. And we credit him and give him credit. Four out of five, tied for first place. And now that is four people that are tied for first, which we're going to have some, have some sort of jeopardy, you know, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Battle of Champions, per se. Because listen, <laughs> I have no money to pay out seven people prizes. Let's just let's just call it for what it is. So we will we'll, uh, we'll definitely have them back. Tournament of champions. We'll figure something out here of how we can determine first and second place winners, and we will uh, maybe up the ante a little bit and maybe uh, make it a little you know top two finishers get a prize and top second and third uh, third and fourth players excuse me get a prize. So we'll figure something out here soon. But the game goes on. Do not worry if you want to get a, if you want to be a contestant if you want to line up and get uh, and play. Reach out, let me know. We'll get you on the show, and we will continue the fun here that we have every Monday and Thursday at 1020 with 2020 or Apocalypse. When we come back, we'll finish up the show with this. Dalvin Cook is now holding out and not going to play um, until he gets a new contract from the Vikings. As you know, the running back couldn't be any less valued than it is right now in 2020 with the way the league is and way, with the way running backs are treated. Should the Vikings pay Dalvin Cook? We'll give you that answer when the morning boys running return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. We welcome you back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Going till 11 o'clock here on the East Coast. We appreciate you tuning in. We're here every Monday and Thursday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. We uh, we do appreciate you tuning in and being a part of the show. 
Um, a little bit of a news update. This is the update with the show. We will not have a show this upcoming Thursday or the following Monday. A little bit of a staycation, per se, if you will. Not going anywhere. But uh, my girlfriend, Lauren, is coming up to visit. Haven't seen her. Helped her move out of her apartment for about three or four hours a few weeks ago. But outside of that, haven't seen her since the pandemic really started back in March. Um, so very excited to hang out with her. Hopefully get a beach day in um, or do something fun. So that's why this upcoming Thursday and the following Monday, we will not have a show. I apologize for that. We will be back a week from Thursday. Very excited to get back to you guys and uh, continue to do talk sports. Hopefully have a baseball scene to talk about. But that's why at least the next two two shows on Thursday and the following Monday, we will not be live and on the air. And speaking of baseball coming back, we'll get to Dalvin Cook here in just a second. Um, John Hamlin just tweeted about a half hour ago, per se, MLB owners are holding a conference call today. We'll let Commissioner Manfred know whether to implement a short season, which, like we talked about, Rob Manfred has the unilateral ability um, to implement a season of his choice, of his length, which we believe, since he's more on the owner side and working with them, be anywhere between 48 and 54 games. So the owners will let Rob Manfred to know, let them know whether go ahead and implement the season of your choice or whether they'll make a second proposal to Major League Baseball Player Association. Remember, the Player Association said, screw it, we're done waving the white flag, we will not be um, submitting any more counterproposals, any more negotiations. You just tell us where to play, when to play, and we'll be there. Basically saying it's up to you now, you tell us how long the season is, ball's in your court. Uh, so it is possible a second straight uh, proposal could be made by the owners uh, to maybe be more financially feasible and have a longer season for the players, but as Heyman tweets, early word, not much appetite for making another proposal. So, like we started the show with, we're going to have a very short season. Rob Manfred's going to basically have to put two of these, the two sides in timeout and say, you're playing this amount of games, you're going to like it, and this is what's going to happen. Um, so you will not have expanded postseason that's been talked about. There's plans, maybe have seven, even eight postseason teams make the field this year. That's not going to happen. Because the players are the ones that control the postseason. Um, and if they don't get what they want, the owners aren't going to get what they want and expand the postseason. So we'll have a short season, 48 to 54 games somewhere in that aspect. It's not going to feel legitimate. It's going to feel like a sham. Um, and how we got here is equally just as bad because both sides can't figure it out. The owners, I blame, way, way, way more than the players um, for, for crying poor, for trying to make it look like they don't make much money. And then what happens, they turn around a few days after going on the record and saying, we're not, baseball's not profitable. As an owner, we don't make that much money. A few years later, what happens, they sign a $3.29 billion, with a B, dollar extension with Turner Sports to keep uh, and have Turner Sports allow them to keep their MLB rights. Um, they just signed a $5.1 billion deal with Fox back in 2018. And MLB's current contract exp uh, ends excuse me, after the 2021 season. So they bring in about $1.55 billion a year from national TV revenue. That's only going to increase when the ESPN deal is, uh, is redone. But again, as Bill DeWitt Jr. says, as Tom Ricketts of the Cubs say, there's not much money in baseball. It's just simply not that profitable, folks. It's not. And that's, again, that's what the message they want to send. You can take that message and you throw it out. And as we see, we'll have baseball in 2020. That feels like a guarantee. Rob Manfred guaranteed it. It's just going to be how many games... And no matter how short it is, is it going to feel legitimate? My answer is going to be absolutely not. So baseball, again, has been dominating the arrows. We'll see when we actually get a, a final um, official word of, of how the season is. But I do want to get some NFL in here before we, uh, before we get on out of here. Because Davin Cook let the Vikings know earlier last week 
he will participate in any team activities. No more Zoom meetings. No more uh, team workouts. When the team, whenever they um, are able to go back to Minnesota to start working out and start having some organized activities, he won't be there until he has a new contract. And his goal, his hope, is to either match or surpass David Johnson, uh, formerly of the Cardinals, now of the Texans, his contract, which is about $13 million a year um, in salary. Answer the question, should the Vikings pay him? Should they give Dalvin Cook $13 million a year to be their franchise guy? Keep them, keep him, excuse me, in Minnesota. Young guy that drafted out of the second round um, out of Florida State. has been nothing but productive when he's been on the field. Should they do it? My answer, not yet. I would not pay Dalvin Cook yet. I would get through 2020, see how he does, see what his stats are from there. Reconsider and reevaluate what his offer is and how much money our cap is looking at. And I have a few reasons why I would not pay him yet. I would wait till after the 2020 season to do so and reevaluate from there. Because number one, health is a major, major, major concern. He's played three seasons in the NFL. He has yet to play one full season. He is in, out of the three years, he's now played 16 games. He missed 12 games as a rookie in his first year. He missed five games in 2018, and he missed two games last year. He missed the last two games of the regular season before coming back in the playoffs. Now, why this is a concern, why this is a major point, is because let's look at history. Let's look at recently other running backs to get contract extensions. Let's look at their health before they got the extension. Christian McCaffrey, right, the latest running back earlier this year, got a mega, mega extension from the Panthers. He and his career missed zero games. Ezekiel Elliott. Another guy who, before that, reset the running back market, held out last year and got an eventual massive deal for running back from the Cowboys, not including his six-game suspension for his off-the-field uh, incidents. He's only missed two games because of injury. Todd Gurley, the running back who reset the market before Ezekiel Elliott, got a big deal from the Rams. Obviously, as we know, he was cutting now on the Falcons. Todd Gurley, up to that point, before, before he got his contract extension, missed four games because of injury. So the theme there is that these running backs who got paid, who reset the market, who got their money and got theirs, that has been so elusive, so hard for running backs to do, they were durable. They were on the field. Now, as we know, Todd Gurley, his knee started acting up, and as we know, his knee, his knee declined in health after he signed the contract extension, thus allowing, leading to the Rams cutting him. But these guys, for the most part, up until that point in their careers, when they got paid, they were durable. They were on the field. Think about it. Even if you include Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension, they missed a total of 12 games. These Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, the last three running backs to get paid a hefty sum and get a hefty extension. Right? We won't count Le'Veon Bell because he got signed by a new team. But the, th- the last three running backs, excuse me, to get an extension from their team missed a combined, see, four, as you can hear the, the math I'm doing, 12 games, um, respectively. Devin Cook missed 12 games his rookie year alone. So you can't trust him to be healthy. He's missed 19 total games in his career through three years. And as we know, the more mileage you get as a running back, the more wear and tear your body suffers, you don't get healthier as your career goes on. You don't get more injured. You only get more worn down. So if he can't stay healthy and theoretically the best shape he'll ever be in body-wise, if he gets in the field, if he's still getting healthy, I mean, if he's still getting hurt, what makes you think he's all of a sudden going to stay healthy in 2020? In 2021, in 2022. And those years are going to be way more important because you're going to give him a lot of money. He's going to be the focal point of the offense. So if he can't stay healthy now, what's going to lead you to believe that he's going to stay healthy in the future? Not to mention, let's just forget the health for a second. Let's look at his stats. He had a great 
great 2019 last year. Played 14 games, had 1,100 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. A great season, right? One of the one of the top rushers in 2019. But is that truly who Dalvin Cook is? Is he really a guy that's going to get you 1,100 yards, maybe 12, maybe 13 if you can stay healthy? 13 touchdowns, maybe get 10 or 11 touchdowns a year. Is he a guy you can count on? Because guess what? Those first two years combined, he played in 15 games in his first two years combined, rushed for 969 yards and four touchdowns. Excuse me. Here's a guy who, for the first two years of his career, struggled, couldn't stay in the field, and when he did, didn't have that much production. He ran for more yards, played in basically just about the same amount of games, and had more touchdowns last year than he did the first year of his career combined. So it's a big risk to pay running back in general. It's a big risk for the Cowboys to give Zeke Elliott all that money, and you hope that he stays healthy and stays productive. Same thing with Chris McCaffrey. Same thing with Todd Gurley. As you saw, the Rams got burned by it. But it's an even bigger risk if you pay a guy who can't stay healthy, who's had one good season that you can't even count on to be reliable with production. At least with Todd Gurley, he was consistent year in and year out. You knew what you paid when he was healthy. You knew you were going to get. The issue with Todd Gurley is he couldn't stay healthy. Dalvin Cook is a guy that we don't really know if 2019 was a true Dalvin Cook. Or that was just where the stars aligned, he had a great year, and it was a more of an anomaly. And the final reason why, if I was the Vikings, I would wait till at least 2021, maybe even not pay him at all, is because right now, the salary cap is not favorable for the Vikings. They have $8 million in available cap space for 2020. That's after they signed the rookie class. Not a lot of money that Dalvin Cook wants. He's making just about over a million dollars this season. Well, if he wants David Johnson $13 million a year, the eight available is not going to get you 13. You have to work out, renegotiate some other contracts, maybe take some money away from other players, and really have to do a dance in order to get under the, the salary cap for 2020, let alone who knows what the 2021 cap and future caps will look like after this pandemic happens. Right? The, the NFL right now is a great unknown, which we have no clue how much money they're going to have and how much the salary cap could dip because if fans aren't allowed in the stands, that's a massive hit. If the season can't even get played or can't finish, that's a massive hit. And as we know, MLB is not immune. The NBA so far is facing questions and facing, uh, facing financial losses. The season can't be finished or not even resumed, or if there's fans not in the stands, re- revenue no matter what for the NFL is going to get lost. So as we saw, the, the, the salary cap continues to increase and increase and increase because as the amount of money comes in, does the amount of revenue comes in that keeps on topping it and becoming record-setting revenue, easy for me to say, year after year after year, the salary cap is tied to the revenue. So less money coming in means the salary cap is going to go down, which means all of a sudden that big contract you gave Kirk Cousins is eating up more cap space than you initially planned for because now you keep on planning for the salary cap to go up. You think it's going to increase next year? Increase the year after that. Increase the year after that. Well, if that's not the case, you pay Dalvin Cook. All of a sudden, now you're on the you're on the hook. You have now way less money and way less percentage of cap available to pay the rest of the team than you thought. And as we know, it's not wise to have a significant amount of money tied up to a running back because that position is very easy to replace. It's almost a rotating door. And if you have a good offensive line. You can plug almost anyone back there, and they'll produce and they'll churn out yards. 
And the bonus here for the Vikings is that because the way the contract works for Dalvin Cook, as we've seen with Ezekiel Elliott, he held out a training camp. He was down in Mexico, and he wouldn't come back until the Cowboys gave him a new offer. Dalvin Cook can't do that. Because guess what? If he misses training camp, even if he reports later that year, if he misses training camp, he loses a year of service time. Which means what? Instead of becoming an unrestricted free agent after the season, he would have some restrictions on which teams he could sign for and the compensation that he can get. So he's, he's basically forced to go to training camp. He is forced to not be able to hold out. So he doesn't have the leverage. He doesn't have the ground to stand on to really put the Vikings between a rock and a hard place where they're trying to win this year. They realize Dalvin Cook's a big, big cog in the machine and helps the Vikings run. When they're at their best, Dalvin Cook is on the ground gaining a lot of yards. They pay Kirk Cousins all this money, but it starts with a run game for the Vikings. So while he's very important to their success, especially this year where they're trying to win now, they have a window where they're trying to win now, trying to get over the hump, I wouldn't do it. I would not pay Dalvin Cook. I would wait to see how he performs in 2020. I would wait to see how the cap ends up turning out. Do I know I have too many questions than answers? I have too many questions about his health. I have too many questions about his production. To say, you know what, Dalvin, you show me enough. Here's a contract that we're going to regret in two years. I'm not doing it. So I would not pay Dalvin Cook. Um, I think the Vikings would be wise to wait. If he has another good year, if he shows to stay healthy, I would reconsider. But right now in 2020, I would have Dalvin Cook playing his final year of his rookie deal. And I'd say, let's go play ball. Let's go see what you can do. Time to prove it. That's just me. That's what I would do. We'll see what the Vikings end up doing. We'll see how much leverage um, Dalvin Cook has over them. And we will definitely follow that story throughout the summer as we see uh, eventually NFL kind of starting to get back to, uh, to business as usual. Training camps will be in about six weeks or so, end of July, early August. We'll see what happens there if, they, uh, if a deal will get done. Or if Dalvin Cook will be forced to play in his rookie deal and yet again see the running back position not valued at all. So that's going to do it for today's show. We appreciate Sean Devaney coming on and giving us a few minutes talking about the NBA um, and whether the league's in jeopardy. You heard Sean. He, he seems pretty confident that the league's going to happen. But it only takes, and I say only, but it only takes about 40 players or so in his mind to not play, whether it's fear of coronavirus, whether it's want to promote social justice um, on their own platform. And if 40 players or so don't play, that could be all the NBA needs is just pack up the, tw- uh, pack up the rest of the season and try to resume next year or try to, you know, basically start fresh in 2020, 2021. So we appreciate Sean for coming on, giving us that great insight. We appreciate Cody for coming on playing 2020 apocalypse crushed it. You got a, you got four out of five, almost got a perfect score. So we appreciate him coming on. Um, just a reminder, we will not be here on Thursday or Monday. A little bit of staycation, so we'll talk to you um, in a week and a half on next Thursday. So for all you dads out there listening, happy Father's Day. Enjoy this weekend. You deserve it. Uh, we'll talk to you next Thursday. Hopefully everyone has a great week, great weekend. Stay safe, stay sane. We'll talk to you next Thursday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.